Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers show. Hey, there's not many of them left. I'm going to explain that in a second. KT Smith, what is going on, my friend? Ryan, uh, no place I'd rather be right than right here talking Steelers football, training camp underway, one of the best times of the year. So I'm, I'm ready to roll. So, Kevin, you have never done Here We Go, the Steelers show until January because it didn't exist. We had Here We Go, the pregame show, and that is coming up. That's coming back and we can't wait. So when I say that there's only a couple episodes of these left, that's true, because then when we get in to preseason mode, yeah, here we go. So I'm really excited. And we have camp to talk about. And this is the first time together that you and I have had a chance to truly talk about training camp since it just started on Tuesday. But before I do that, I want to say, check this out. BTSC for all of your training camp needs. Training Camp Confidential is going on right now on the editorial side. It's a whole lot of training camp articles that we do every single year. Make sure you give that a nice long look. Really good stuff. I do Digit Dynasty every single year. The best players at every single number from zero to 99. I believe number four, part four, and the final part comes out tomorrow. So make sure that you take a look at all that. It's a whole lot of fun. I revamp it every year and make changes. And there's some guys that are currently on the roster that are the champions of their digits. And we're going to talk about those guys. And there's guys that could very soon be a champion of their digit. And that's a guy that we're going to talk about today because it is not going to take too long if we think that this man does what he's going to do to be the best number 14 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right now, Neil O'Donnell has the crown as, as the best 14 ever. And that's really not debatable. I mean, there's not really, I mean, Ray Raymond Cloud, Lima Swede. But right now, Kevin, you're hearing glowing reports on our main man from Georgia, George Pickens Jr. Yeah, so far we've heard some really positive reports about Pickens. He seems right now to be uh, you know, thrown into the into the starting lineup with the number ones. Um, it's interesting. I, you know, you wondered if were the Steelers going to like ease Pickens in, uh, to the lineup, were they going to, you know, work, work more with the veterans and, and see what he could do, but that doesn't seem to be the case at all. As a matter of fact, coming out of, uh, out of Thursday's camp practice, the Steelers ran their, um, you know, fabled seven shots drill, which I've actually stolen. We, we run it now with, with my high school team. And, and our kids, oh, let me tell you something, Brian, you want to see a bunch of high school kids get excited. It's the first live drill we run every year. And when I say that, when I say tomorrow's going to be seven shots, the intensity in the room amps up and they get, I mean, I, they get, they fly around. I'm so happy that I, I was able to, to steal that from the Steelers because it, it really is the, is like the first time all year that our guys get to go live and, and really get to show us, you know, what they can do in a, in a, a true live situation. But anyway, the Steelers went seven shots on Thursday for the first time in camp. They, they scrapped it on Wednesday for whatever reason. And the very, very first play, they, they ran a corner route to Pickens, and he, and he caught it for a touchdown from, from Mitch Trubisky. And I'm not going to be one of those uh, over-analysts who looks at every single rep that gets run in training camp and, and try to assign some kind of meaning to it. 
But it tells me a lot that if you, if they're running a, a red zone drill, for those, for those who aren't sure, seven shots is a drill where the Steelers run from, I think it's the two or three yard line. Uh, we run it from the two point line in, in high school. And, and, and there's seven plays and the, and the first team to, to get to four, you know, four scores, either the offense scores or the defense stops them is the winner. And so the Steelers will run the very first seven shots play of the training camp uh, to Pickens just tells me that, that they're going to make, they're going to uh, invest a lot in him and make and, and get a real good look real early at what he can do. You know, George Pickens is that guy that a lot of people have so many opinions on you. You have those on the one side that are saying, Hey, look, you know, he injured his knee last year. He wasn't what he, maybe he's not all the way back, but he came back to play in a championship game and injuring his knee, knee um, from before. So that's, that's a very big deal that he was able to come back and play in that game, but it looks like he's healthy and ready to go. But on the other side, you have some people that say that, well, he's just not disciplined because he's, he can go after you. Um, he might be a problem. Hey, nobody had a problem when it was Heinz Ward sticking up for his teammates. Heinz Ward were that G for Georgia Bulldogs as well. And they even made a role out of them. And nobody's, they made the Heinz Ward role for the famous Keith Rivers um, block of 2008. And, you know, nobody's going to go back and say that, Nobody that likes black and gold is going to go back and say that Heinz Ward is a dirty player. There's 31 other organizations are going to, but they won't hear. And there's all already talk that maybe he's undisciplined, but how do you look at it, Kevin? Because I think he's a guy that sticks up for himself and is tough, is ready to embrace blocking and do whatever it takes when he's not the target. Absolutely. I agree with you. First of all, he's 20 years old. And, and I know that we assign to these professionals an expectation that says that they'll be mature and that they'll treat the job like the profession that it is. But you can't ignore the fact that he is 20 years old. He's emotional. He plays with great passion. He's a guy uh, who has a bad rap, really, really on the back of one incident, which is the fight that he got into uh, in a game at Georgia. Can't remember the opponent off the top of my head, but um, and then a couple little off field incidents. None of it. He wasn't arrested. He had a thing with like a paintball gun. If you're if you're like 18, 19 years old and you're not at some point as a college student doing something stupid. And by stupid, I don't mean like robbing a store or assaulting somebody, but I mean, like having fun with your friends in a way that maybe kind of gets out of control a little bit, uh, then you're not enjoying college. You know, you're, you're not you're doing it wrong. And uh, it just so happens that these guys are under such an incredible microscope and that they're going to get paid millions of dollars. And so everybody wants to know, is the investment worth it? So I understand all that. But then to take that and automatically assign a label to somebody like they're immature or that they're, you know, they've got you know, behavioral issues or attitude problems or whatever it might be is unfair. And so. I think that you come into an organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers, where there's an absolute standard as to how you're expected to behave and perform. Uh, and you get around professionals who understand how to deal with young guys. There's no better mentor than Mike Tomlin. You have a wide receivers coach in Frisman Jackson, who's, who's been uh, uh, generally regarded to be a mentor type individual and a guy who's great with details. 
And I think George Pickens is going to be just fine. He's in the right organization around the right people uh, who, if they sense that he's got any attitude issues or he could be a problem whatsoever, uh, they're going to correct that. And so I don't assign much weight to those claims or, or accusations at all. Then you have the others that are like me and are coming out and already proclaiming that guys, he might have went in the second round, but he's your AFC rookie of the year. Last night I was on actually, excuse me, Wednesday night, I was on a show and it was for the shakedown. It's a New York giants, uh, YouTube, uh, video podcast. And these guys were, were awesome. You had, uh, the beard shakes, Montana and, uh, E the chosen one and they're giants fans. And they're out of New York. Uh, one was from Alaska and they have been doing the entire time. They've been going division by division, doing a round table when they want it to be wild and trash talking. And, uh, I had a great, great time with these guys, but you know, I was told a few things about my team. That's the perception nationwide. And it made me feel really good about it. And I'm going to discuss that. But one of the things that when they asked bad, why are you so confident about this? Like guys, you don't know who George Pickens is. I mean, I know you know what he did before the knee injury. I know what you're hearing. I know that you're just saying, oh, he's a number two draft pick. But get excited about him because hands down, if he's if he's good, he's going to be great. There's no, there's no good with George Pickens. It's either great or not. And, you know, he's going to be great out of the right out of the, uh, the start of the season. And when you come out of, out of the gate, like I think George Pickens can and how they did in training camp with him, there's no doubt in my mind that we could be talking about him at the end of the year as a rookie of the year and a big play receiver. And I don't want to, I would never want to say juju who, but it makes the decision what they, they knew what they knew to be able to let juju go that they had a plan here and we knew all along when we saw mike tomlin running against george pickens in routes when you have all of these georgia players that went in the first round and all of these georgia players that people were going to see uh uh-uh mike tomlin was obviously there to see george pickens he might have been there to see jordan davis but i still think he was there to see George Pickens first and foremost. So with that being said, I really think they know that he was their guy to be a rookie of the year candidate because the whole Kenny Pickett thing, your hope is that he's not a rookie of their candidate because he's taken the Pat Mahomes route and not doing anything until year number two. Yeah. So the interesting thing about Pickens and, and, and some of what you are alluding to here is that the Steelers see him as a problem solver. So when we think back to on the 2021 season, what's the biggest problem that they had on offense? The biggest problem they had on offense was everybody wants to say, well, you know, they, they couldn't run the football. True. But that was a byproduct of not being able to push the football down the field. Defenses were never, never felt threatened by the Steelers ability to throw the ball vertically. And part of that was, Ben Roethlisberger, part of that was the offensive line's inability to protect for very long. Part of that was receivers that couldn't win uh, deep. And so 
as a result, defenses felt that they would, could get away with dropping a safety down into the box to take away the run, uh, understanding that you know the Steelers wanted to run the football with Najee Harris and they, they could get a plus one. There were so many times when I did film breakdowns and I'm just like looking at a play and I'm counting the, I'm counting the blockers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then I count the defenders in the box. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, well, this is going to be a problem. There's always, uh, not always, but there was often a plus one that made things difficult on the offense. So, so the Steelers said, well, how are we going to solve that problem? We need to find a vertical threat. And I think in George Pickens, they identified that guy, went out, got him. And now as we see early on in training camp, they're, they're putting him right out there. And they're going to see, all right, do we do we have the guy that we think we have? Because if they do, and we're going to get into this as the show progresses, but if they do, if Pickens really is a true deep threat and can solve that problem and can force defenses to play with that second safety high and not drop them in the box, it opens up a world of possibilities for this offense. It indeed does. Now, here's my question, because we expect George Pickens to be all that. But what needs to happen individually with George Pickens and three or four other guys that we think are going to key here? If Pickens emerges, how does it affect the stable as a whole, Kevin? All right. So first of all, it opens up the middle of the field. You, you don't get that. The, the the trendy defense in the NFL is to is to drop a safety into the middle of the field in the role uh, that's often called the rat. And the rat becomes the guy who disrupts crossing routes uh, and uh, dig routes and the high hole, which is the area above the center at about you know 10 to 15 yards where receivers oftentimes will look to settle down because it's an area that usually is pretty soft and voided by defenders. And so in order to take that away, uh, because offenses over the last six, seven, eight years have increasingly gone to a middle of the field passing attack. Defenses play use it, use a safety as a rat, and they drop him in there. Well, if you do that, uh, and and you have to now rotate to a, some kind of a single high look, you're going to have to play Pickens one on one. And if Pickens can win those one on ones, it makes it harder for de- defenses to drop that safety in the rat role. So what's that do? Now that opens up the middle of the field, and now you get a guy like Pat Fryermuth. Who's, who's got a much bigger route tree that he can run. Or the guy that we you and I talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show, Chase Claypool, if he kicks inside to the slot, he now becomes a dangerous guy as a crosser. Another thing that, that, and, uh, that you get is this. Um, there was a report out of Wednesday's camp, the first day of camp, that um, Calvin Austin III took a simple – took a simple smoke screen, right? Just a smoke is a, is a screen that you run to wide receivers where you, you just kind of throw the ball out there to them on the perimeter and they, and they catch it and, and they get a couple blockers out there in front of them and they see what they can do with it. Uh, and then he took 161 yards to the house where the Steelers just were able to get a little kickout block and seal on the, on the inside player and up the seam he went and nobody could catch him. And that's exciting because you think, oh, well, he's, he's a potential home run hitter. Well, when you have two safeties in the sky and nobody in the alley, it opens those things up as well. Because opening up the alley in the middle of the field uh, is is I, I can't begin to stress how much that does for an offense, especially an offense that a wants to get the ball quickly out of the hand of the quarterback, like Matt Canada likes to do. They'll throw a lot of quicks and then try to get a defense to react to those quicks and hit them with deep shots. 
And I think if, if Pickens can be that deep guy, then Fryermuth, Claypool, we know Deontay Johnson's a great route runner, uh, uh, and Austin all benefit because it opens up their games as well. So it sounds like you're saying, Kevin, that everybody wins if George Pickens shines. Yeah, and we didn't even mention Najee Harris because, again, now if you if you force defenses to play too high, they don't get that plus one in the box. And if the offensive line can just cover guys up, then Najee Harris is going to be able to do what he does. And he looks like a million bucks. And with a second year, uh, with a year under his belt now entering his second year, he's going to be you know that much better. So if you can just free him up and not make him run into stacked boxes, it's a win for him, him and the O-line as well. Well, we are going to talk about Najee Harris and other situations with the Pittsburgh Steelers when we come back right after this on Here We Go, the Steelers show on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers show. I am Brian Anthony Davis. Next to me, between your speakers, is the great Kevin Smith, KT Smith, getting ready for a season of his own in New Jersey, looking for another championship under his belt with the, I always have trouble with this, the or the, the Red Raiders or just the Raiders? Ah, the Red Raiders. Very good, Brian. Red Raiders. There, there we go. With the Red Raiders of Ocean City, New Jersey. So really excited to hear all about that. And we're going to hear about them every single week. Um, we're going to talk to see how the Red Raiders are doing and uh, you know compare, compare them to the Pittsburgh Steelers as far as progress every single week. That'll be a, a fun little... Uh, little off ramp that we could go on to too but right now we are talking about the preseason and if you love to read about the Steelers that's what behind the still curtain.com is all about especially at training camp if you want to listen to them on your commute or if you want to listen to it live we have 19 shows every single week we are going to go to 22 shows in the regular season as we bring back the uh, post-game press conferences with Mike Tomlin and the Tuesday press conference recaps with Mike Tomlin, as well as, wow, the show that I just love being a part of, and it's the post-game show. It's, we're going we're gonna to have a little different of a twist on that, too, so make sure you check that out. But this morning, you had a great episode of Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman. Later on, on Friday, you are going to hear great shows with the likes of the Aussies, yes, Marky D, Matty P, that's Matt Peverell and Mark Davison, and that is Touchdown Under. Tony Defio is back with another edition of the Six Pack, and on Saturday morning, you want to check out the This Is It, as my dogs are getting excited in the background for the debut of State of the Steelers. It's an existing podcast. Daniel J will be bringing State of the Steelers. That'll be debuting Friday, excuse me, Saturday morning at 5 a.m. on the audio only network. So many great things to check out. There's going to be a new We Run the North episode. If you haven't watched that on YouTube, it takes every perspective from the North. I absolutely love that show with Kevin Tate. Check that out as well. There's going to be another Q&A, and then we're going to get back into the week as training camp is here, and we're all excited about it. So, Kevin, I got to ask you this. 
we talked about how George Pickens is the key, but there's other keys on this team. And one of the things we have been talking about for months that the Steelers need to do, we think they may have done it. And it's bring in a quality backup for Najee Harris. Is Jeremy McNichols that guy? That's an interesting question. I know people are excited about him, and, and I, I remember him in Tennessee, and I've seen a decent amount of tape on him. And I think the thing that's intriguing about him, uh, there are a lot of people that go, well, he's, he's a third down back, and, and, and he's uh, a guy who, who may challenge Anthony McFarlane for a roster spot. But I think he's also a guy who's going to push Benny Snell for that backup running back job because the thing that the Steelers – have, the thing that, that's, that Benny Snell has struggled with is being a, uh, a spot back, a guy who comes in and gets three, four, or five touches a game because he's, he's a traditional tailback in the sense that he takes a little while to get going. He takes a little while to see the cuts and read the defense. And, um, he, and, and he's always been better in his career so far when, when the, the, the feature back, whether it was, uh, whether it was Najee Harris or, or predominantly James Conner was out. Benny Snell's been better as a, as a, a full-time running back when he gets 17 to 20, 22 touches in a game. And so I think the Steelers w- want to keep Benny Snell. He's a very valuable special teams contributor, but I think they want to keep him more as insurance in case Najee Harris gets hurt. And, and then they would plug him in as, as their starting running back. Uh, and, and are looking instead for uh, a guy who can spell Najee Harris. And I think that's why they brought McNichols in, because he's that guy. He's a guy that doesn't need to get 10, 12, 15 carries before he gets going. He, he seems to be a guy with really good vision, and he's got a similar running style to Najee Harris. Clearly not as big, but he's well-built. He's, he's, he's short, 5'8", but he's about 215, 217 pounds, so he's thick, and he can run through contact. And he's like that one, he's that one cut-and-go runner who sees a hole, has a little bit of shiftiness, but he's going to put his foot in the ground, get north-south, and he's going to make tough yards. And I think that the Steelers see him as a, a guy who may fit in that backup three to five, three to seven touches a game role a little bit better than Benny Snell. Well, I'm really excited that they continue to bring guys in as a possibility. Hey, he could be another Kalen Balage and might not. it might not work. But this, he's a young guy, and I like the idea of a third down back. Remember, Veron Haynes was never a superstar, but Veron Haynes, Mwelde Moore is another one. When they had to step in, they stepped in well. Mwelde Moore was a guy that would come in and have to start during that championship 2008 season. I like an idea of that. And when that, those Tennessee Titans lost just a superstar, in number 22 there, you know, in Nashville. Well, when Derrick Henry goes down, McNichols did a lot of things. And I know a lot of guys were adding him late that one year to their fantasy football teams as well. Uh, I like the idea that he's uh, backing up another powerhouse number 22 from Alabama. So to me, that's that uh, seems like kismet and fate for him to be here and uh earn an opportunity. I think that would be awesome. My question yeah, when you, is, when you, when you think about real quick, when you think about um, he, the fact he backed up Derrick Henry, it, it seems appropriate. He would also then back up a guy like Najee Harris, because while Henry's while Harris is not quite as big as, as Henry, he's, he's entering Derrick Henry territory with his, 
his size. Uh, and they have they, their power backs, no doubt about it. And you wouldn't look for uh, somebody with a, a style that's too dissimilar. And so McNichols fits there. But I'm glad you brought up Moeldy Moore. I wanted to mention something real quick. When I, when I think back to uh, my favorite drive in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is the drive that culminates in the touchdown pass to Santonio Holmes to uh, give the Steelers the lead and ultimately the win uh, in, in Super Bowl 43 against Arizona. That drive begins with the Steelers up against it. They're, they're actually facing second and, and uh, 18 or second and 20 from their own eight-yard line with about two and a half minutes to play uh, and they, you know, because of a holding call. And Moeldy Moore comes in the game as the, as the running back, and Arizona brings the house. They come after Ben Roethlisberger, and, and Moeldy Moore uh, steps up into the hole and just absolutely stones Arizona's linebacker, and he buys Ben Roethlisberger the time to pump fake, move about the pocket, complete a, a throw, I believe, to Nate Washington, uh, that kind of gets that drive going. It gets him out of that big second and 20 hole and it puts him in like a third and six and they convert that and then they get rolling and it culminates in touchdown. And Moore played a really big role in that drive. And uh, he's a, he was a valuable, valuable piece. And I, and I think a lot of people can see, and you made that comparison, Brian, I think a lot of people can see a little bit of him in McNichols. And if he, and if he becomes Noelle Moore, that's a win for the Steelers. Oh, it absolutely would be. And don't sleep on how great Veron Haynes was for this team. A, uh, you know, gosh, we talked about some tough Georgia Bulldogs before in the show. And here's another one, you know, Veron Haynes, you know, he did so much for that 2005 championship team as well. You know, those yeah. having those backs, those unsung heroes is a really big deal. I know we kind of get caught up in the fact that, we would love to have all these big names. We'd like to have the Miami Heat of 2010, 2011, you know, with just like this super team. But it's not possible in football. You need to have those puzzle pieces. McNichols reminds me of a perfect puzzle piece. And I would feel a little bit better with him in the mix should. I mean, I'm just going to knock on wood. You know what I'm going to say next? Should he have to be starting? And should he be starting? It seems like... uh We've seen this. We've seen this movie before with this exact player, so I'm excited to see this version of number 33 um, playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think that's great. But Kevin, what other keys did you see in training camp happen so far with this Pittsburgh Steelers team? Well, I think an interesting. Obviously, everybody's got their attention on the quarterbacks. I think it's been very interesting that so far they've really balanced out the quarterback reps. Trubisky's come in as the starter uh, for all the team periods, at least through Tuesday and Wednesday. And then uh, I'm sorry, through uh, Wednesday and Thursday, uh, Mason Rudolph then took reps. Uh, interestingly on, on uh, Thursday, when the Steelers went into their live team drills, they split it up between all three guys, all three guys got 12 reps. So Trubisky and, and uh, Rudolph and Kenny Pickett, and it's been interesting to read some of the reports coming out of camp because not surprisingly, most people have said that Mason Rudolph has looked the best of the three. And I say not surprisingly because he's the guy you would expect to look the best. He's the guy that's got the most amount of time uh, in, in uh, Pittsburgh. He's only had a year in Canada's system, but that's a year more than Trubisky and Pickett have had. Uh, and they, and you know, uh, one of the writers, uh, I think it was Mark Cabali of the athletic uh, wrote uh, a line about 
him being uh, being captain check down the first couple of days, uh, just just constantly checking the ball down to running backs and tight ends underneath. And while you know, I don't think there's a Steeler fan out there that want, that gets excited about the idea of, ca- of anybody being captain check down after the short passing game we've seen. But in essence, what it says is that like he understands the offense a little bit better than everybody else right now. In that, when he looks down the field and he doesn't see anything, he knows exactly where to go with it. And so I don't think we should read too much into that other than he's more comfortable than anybody else. But it's interesting because, uh, you know, Dave Schofield and I talked about this on the Sunday night Q and a, uh, if Rudolph has a good camp, that's a win for the Steelers because if he has a good camp and they want to keep him, which they very well might, they very well might say, Hey, Kenny Pickett's going to hold a clipboard for a year. And, and, you know, we, we, we think Mitch Trubisky is going to be our quarterback, but now we're going to have a quality backup in number two and Mason Rudolph. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, or if he has a real good camp, then it increases his trade value and the Steelers might be able to get something back for him. So, so when I read about a little bit about what, what's going on with the quarterbacks, I was happy to see some of those reports about Rudolph. You know, one of the things I'm thinking about, and you just touched upon it with the trade value, but in a situation like this, you want to be very careful because you know that you might possibly have this used car coming to the mark, the market. You don't want to talk about how many miles it has. You don't want to talk about the fact that uh, maybe it uh, swerves to the right a little bit and could use an alignment or it could use this. You want to just say, no, Hey, this is a, this is the, uh, the old widow down the street just drove this to church and back. And it doesn't have a lot of mileage on it. I mean, it might be, might have been around a while, but no, this is the perfect used car for your 16 year old daughter or the perfect car for you. Because I think even the media gets in that game a little bit, but it does make sense that he looks a whole lot better. But for me, it's just a situation where you you can't, you don't want to, uh, downgrade anything that you have that you might want to uh, dangle for some kind of value. Sure. And again, familiarity is really important. And, and early in camp, it's, it would, it would be kind of shocking actually, if, if the report said, Hey, Trubisky and, and Pickett look sensational right now, because they are just getting acclimated to the system and they're going to, it's going to take reps. And, and Rudolph has had those reps in the system. I'll, I'll just give you a quick example. We, we, on Wednesday, the, our high school team it was involved in a, you know, what we call a seven on seven event, which is just basically a passing skeleton scrimmage against it was, there were five other teams there and you played like a round Robin where everybody played everybody else. Um, and, and our, our starting quarterback who you and I have talked a little bit about who's a, who's a pretty darn good player and is getting some pretty good colleges looking at him. He's entering his second year as the starter uh, to watch his, his, um, progress to, uh, to to watch how fast he went through his progression reads uh, on Wednesday was a real joy. I mean, he has grown and matured so much, uh, but a lot of it has to do with the, the reps. He's, he had 13 starts last year as a junior um, and, and that's literally hundreds and hundreds of snaps. And, and now that's, that's translating. And, and then we brought in the backup who's another very talented kid, but he's only a sophomore uh, and he doesn't have those reps. And it was just much slower. You could see the open receivers and you wanted to say like, now, 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 now. And then by the time you hit your fourth, now he was throwing the ball and that window wasn't open anymore. Well, that stuff at the pro level, those windows open and close in, in nanoseconds, you know, as compared to in high school where they tend to stay open a little bit longer. 
And, and so Kenny Pickett's going to have to speed up from where he was in, in, in college. And Mitch Trubisky is going to have to just get more familiar with the playbook so that he understands, all right, well, so in this concept, here's my number two read. Here's my number three read. Oh, wait a minute. It's cloud coverage. And so that means that I got to change my read progression as opposed to if it was straight cover two. And then you got all sorts of, all sorts of things that you have to factor in there. Uh, so naturally speaking, it's going to take longer for those guys. So I'm, I guess I'm, what I would say to Steelers fans when they read these early reports is, you know, don't really get too excited one way or the other because there's a sort of a natural progression happening right now. Uh, and, and until we get into live situations, there's not a whole lot to take from. I can hear it now. Ah, here we go. These, uh, these Steelers, they don't know what they're doing in that because, you know, they go out and they, uh, they, they pick the number 20 pick the overall quarterback when in Kenny Pickett in that. And then they go ahead and pay all this money to Mitch Trubisky when they had Mason Rudolph, who's better than them in camp. They're saying right now. <laughs> Just do it. It's funny. Cause I don't know the Pittsburgh personality that well, being from South Jersey. I know Philly people do, but here's what Philly, here's what Philly people do. This is what Philly people do. These guys suck. That's it. There's no analysis, you know, like they just, everything sucks. The whole world sucks. You know, like uh, Philly's cursed. All Philly people are convinced Philly's cursed, but it sounds like, you know, Pittsburgh, you, you get some analysis there at least, right? Oh, oh, you definitely get analysis. The, the, they, they are great at that, but uh, there's definitely put some pessimism, but it's like, ah, here we go. You know? Um, so you know, so we should caution ourselves that whatever happens in camp the first week, it's just it's just the level of experience. So when you're looking at your sophomore and you're looking at your two year starter in a senior, when you look at that sophomore, you're like, OK, you know what? Let's let's throw let's throw the starter aside. Let's just let's just look at this guy. I like the track he's on. Correct. Yeah, that's absolutely what you do. You, you want to see him try to do the right thing. That's that's more important sometimes than success. It, he he could your your sophomore, uh, you know, or let's let's compare Kenny Pickett to our to our sophomore, right? Yeah. Kenny Kenny Pickett could could uh, you know throw the the first thing that he sees open and complete the pass, but it might not be the right thing. It might it might be like, look, that's 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 not going to be not where we want to go with the ball in this situation. You, you need to sit in the pocket, you know, for another beat, you need to let the dig route clear the linebacker and come open in the middle of the field. Or if that dig route's not there, you need to at least take a glance at the post uh, first before you come to the dig route and then think about throwing your swing, right? That that's the progression that, that we're looking for here. And, and, and Pickett might not be there yet. You know, our sophomore's not there yet. He was, he was really, really quick to throw open routes uh, too soon the other day. And, and then when he had to like go through a progression, he was like a deer in the headlights, just kind of freezing, but, but, you know, he doesn't have that experience. And so the hope of course is that within, within a couple of weeks, he'll at least be going through the progression. The hope with Kenny Pickett is that in a, in a couple of weeks, it'll, things will slow down a little bit. I mean, the one report that you read out of camp was that uh, he, he, he held the ball too long. Well, what is that, that, that every single time that tells me when you hold the ball too long, you're not sure what you're seeing. You know, you're, 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 you're seeing, you know, the route concept on paper, you know what it looks like when you draw it up on a whiteboard, 
But now all of a sudden there's 21 other moving bodies out there and they're moving at an incredibly fast speed. And that guy on the whiteboard isn't exactly in the same spot on the actual field as you thought he was going to be. And so what do I do? And all that's happening in like one second. And meanwhile, you got this pass rush, you know, that's, that's going on all around you and this other chaos. And uh, it's incredibly complicated playing quarterback. Uh, at any level, but at the NFL level, at the speed at which all that stuff happens and the violence that's unfolding around you, uh, it's just, it's a challenge. And so expectations that Kenny Pickett will start early in his rookie campaign, I think are naive because I think he's got a big learning curve and he's got two veteran quarterbacks in front of him that are going to get the majority of the reps that's going to sort of slow Pickett's curve. So I don't think that we should expect a whole lot out of him at least early in this season but with your sophomore when you look at him are you saying oh gee or or yeah we gotta be we gotta be looking at the freshman team we gotta look to see who's coming up who's in eighth grade right now or are you looking like eh, he's young we're uh i'm i'm happy with what i see no, yeah, exactly. Because much with much like Kenny Pickett, there's a reason the Steelers took Kenny Pickett. They took him because he's got huge upside, and and, and they feel as though he is the the long term starter in Pittsburgh. Just like we we really feel like when the senior graduates, that this sophomore will step in and he'll be our starter for the next two years because he's got a big arm and he's and he's a six foot two kid who can run uh, and is strong. And and his dad was a big time college football player, and he's going to be. He's going to be a darn good player for us. But moving from the freshman team into varsity action is a big jump. And, and you know, not nearly as big as moving from college into the pros, but but everything is different. Everything you're, you're seeing now, actual actual coverages, real coverages. You know, you're seeing the real you're, you're having to throw real route concepts. I mean, I'll give you a quick example. We so in, on our freshman team, we run everything. Everything we run are called mirrored routes. Mirrored routes are just things where you're running the same route on both sides of the field. All right. So. So the tight end and the, and the wide receiver to the right uh, are running a slant flat concept where the, the receivers run in slant and the tight ends run the flat underneath it. And we're running the same concept on the backside with uh, a split end and a slot receiver or a back out of the back. Foot. So he knows he's got the same concept of both sides. And all he's got to do is sort of pick out the best look for it pre-snap. Well, when you get to uh, the varsity level, we're running full field route concepts where you have to read the entire field. So if we run drive, which is a, a you know a, a route we love, where you've got a post route on on the backside, a dig coming from the backside, and then on the front side you got a corner route and a hitch. I mean, and we read it like front to back. You're you're looking corner first to the hitch, and if you don't like either one, you're coming backside to the dig route with the post that's just window dressing. And so what he's got to be able to do then is like I'm looking at a corner route to my right. And then I'm changing my field of vision, bringing it down so that I can see that hitch route. And then I got to reset my, my feet so I can get all the way back across the field for a dig route, which is a deep in breaking across the middle of the field at about 15 yards. That, and I got to do all that in about two and a half seconds. That's, that's a lot to process because it's just not stuff that, uh, that a young kid has ever done before. And so now Kenny Pickett's doing the same stuff at a much, much higher level. And I just think, and, and Mr. Trubisky's kind of doing it. Not, not that he hasn't done that stuff before, but that he's doing it with new terminology, uh, a new offense coordinator in a new system. And it's, just, it's going to take a while. 
It absolutely is. But if you have a coaching staff that believes like you believe in your sophomore and they believe that he does not have to be Mr. Right now, but he will be Mr. Right in the future. That's all that matters. So I'm really excited for that. And I'm really excited for what I'm hearing about Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph so far. So as do we need to curb our enthusiasm? That's a possibility, but it is a long camp, but I like what I'm hearing right now. So that's really good. We talked earlier on on the show, George Pickens being a key. We talked a lot about the running back position and the quarterbacks as well. We will be here right here. Next week, we'll be back talking about the Steelers and what transpires in the next week as we're going to get knee deep and so much closer to a preseason game when the Steelers take on the Seattle Seahawks. So I am so excited. Make sure you check out some of the shows you missed this week, like last night's Steelers preview, like the Stat Geek and what Yin's talking about. Make sure you check out all those shows that came up on Wednesday and all the ones that are coming up. We've got it right here. Not just your one-stop shop, but your non-stop shop. Before we get on out of here, we need a dude of the week, Kevin. Yeah, so Brian Anthony Davis. I hear something pretty exciting happened to you this week. Uh, and that's going to earn you your first dude of the week uh, honoree. So tell, tell the audience what happened. what happened with you guys this week. Okay, so I I had a cold. I I had a fever. Is that we? <laughs> no, man you 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 had a you had a big win with your troop. Oh yeah, I, I did. Yeah, I I I really did. So I'm sorry, I forgot we talked about that. So yeah. as a lot of people know, I'm a scout master for a troop, and my son's involved, but he was not there this year because he's on staff at the summer camp, which is a a very big honor. So it was one of my first years without one of my kids as a part of my troop. And we have grown. We took 26 uh, young men to camp this year, age 10 to 16. And 26 is the most we've ever had. Last year, we had 18. And were there trials and tribulations? Yes. But they give out something every week called Spirit Day. And the Spirit Day Award is for the troop that shows the most spirit, but you play all these games. There's Lego building. You know, you can even get points for napping, but there's all these athletic competitions. Um, There's adult horseshoes. There's a little bit of everything. And we won once before, but we don't typically win this event. And I want sportsmanship and I want good scoutsmanship out of my scouts, but I really wanted to see them win this year. And I, I did something a little different. I, I uh, appointed some guys to just be oversee everything we could do, do during Spirit Day to maximize, you know, potential points. But I had an opportunity to pick for a new event this year called the Iron Scout Competition, where I I choose from my from my troop a kayaker, a runner, and a biker and they each do i believe it's about a mile each <laughs> it's up a hill and it's great and and it's it ends up you know they hand off um we start off with the biker then it's the runner and then the runner pushes the kayak out and so when it came around for the winner to be announced and finding out that it was my boys 
um, with all of our other boys cheering them on to uh, win this Iron Scout leg of the competition. I was just thrilled. So I got to say congratulations to my boys, Carson, who did my running, Shondor, who did the biking, and then Lewis, who went ahead and uh, was the anchor with the kayak. They were great, but the entire troop was fantastic. They took home Spirit Day, but right before they took home Spirit Day, I just looked at them and said, win or lose, you know what to do. And my senior patrol leader looked back at me and said, class and grace. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. And they did. They won the whole thing. It was wonderful to watch them celebrate. I got for the first time in my, uh, in my life, knowing what it took to coach a team to a victory. Cause I've never really coached anybody to a victory. So I felt like a million dollars. It was absolutely awesome. And I shared that with Kevin because I know it's a 10th of what, a football coach does, but it meant the world to me. And I feel fantastic. And for you to say due to the week for that, I, my gosh, I'm honored. Well, there you go. It's a great story. And, and uh, I'm glad you got to experience that. And uh, congratulations on uh, being due to the week, Brian. Oh, thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm not going to look to see if there was anybody else eligible. I'm just going to say, Hey, yeah, I win. I'll go tell my <laughs> wife right now. So with that, without Ke- that, Kevin, yeah, we've got a few things that we need our friends out there to do besides besides uh, just loving the Steelers. We need this. We need number one, be safe. We need you in this world. But number two, be true to yourself. We need you to continue to be you because that's why people like you. And three, always be behind the still curtain. And I'm going to say this, Kevin, I'm going to let you do it now. Keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocycloids. We will see you next week, my friends. Love you, Steeler Nation. Hey, we're in camp. Woo!